Welcome back to the followers, everybody. Today is episode, I still don't know what episode it is, but we had a great episode. We had a great guest, Brendan O'Keefe, on today. So we were talking all things fitness testing. I find it super interesting, especially with fitness testing in the school's context, so with their youths. What did you think about John? Yeah, I really like just the way he said, because you know, there tends to be a bit of controversy around fitness testing in schools, but it's not why are we fitness testing, how are we, because the context around it is what tends to make the big difference around enjoyment, learning, meaning from what the results actually give you, as opposed to saying, no, fitness testing is bad or fitness testing is good. It's a bit deeper than that. Yeah, for, for me, it was just, like, uh, like most things, is circling around the, the why we're actually doing this and then how to get that information. I thought we had an interesting conversation there around um, the actual role a PE teacher has in a wider context in uh, schools as well and just that whole uh, health side to, um, to physical education and, and that. So those, we actually covered quite uh, a varied, um, I suppose, topic guide today, but it was, it was very interesting. Yeah, and I think it's, again, we kind of focused on the big, the big split within the amount of people you get in school. So again, if you have an elite athlete in your class, odds are if they're playing intercounty football, they're getting fitness tested at that. So they're not really the people you're worried about collecting data for. It's everybody else and kind of what you can do with that data to help them is kind of the real course that we went down. Anyway, super interesting chat. So here it is now. Bit of a change around in background there over the last year or so. You're a solid UL man. Then went up the road to DCU, but came crawling your way back there to UL a couple of months ago, did you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Back back to base, John. Back to base. Um, yeah, look, I, I suppose in April 2020, I, I finished finished up my doctorate um, and had been in UL there for the previous four years. Um, and I, I, over the summer then, last summer, I, I was lucky enough to, to take on a, a position in DCU and I, and I was lecturing there in the, in the, in the department of um, our, the School of Health and Human Performance for, for, for the past year. And then over the summer, um, a, a lecturing role came up in, in the PES, in the PES department. So, um, yeah, back to the PES for the, for the third time now, having done my undergrad there. So, um, just settling into the semester, we've started teaching there last Monday. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, going good so far. And background as a PE teacher, that's what you originally started off doing, did it for a bit of a while before you went back further down the research route. Yeah, yeah. So I, I graduated, I think it was the year after you actually in, in, in the PE department, the PES department there in UL and um, went out teaching then in, in Glensall Abbey School just outside Limerick there for, for two years. And I kind of always had the intention, to be honest, of, of pursuing further study. And initially I was going to actually go straight into it. I had funding to go straight uh, into the doctorate after um, completing the undergrad. But um I, 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 this position came up in Glenstall and, and you know, I, I was delighted that I did it and, and went out and, and, and got that kind of real world experience in the schools. Um, and, and then in 2016, um, I, I made a successful application to the Irish Research Council for, for funding and that kind of allowed me then to go full time at, um, at the doctoral studies for, for, from September, I'd say September, October 2016, right up until um, April 2020, yeah. And that general idea, was it something, like when you originally had funding there at the end of the undergrad degree, was it the same idea you went on and did, or did it evolve throughout the couple of years teaching based on stuff you noticed on the ground? 
Yeah, it definitely evolves. Um, so, so I suppose that the research area itself is 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 um, health health related physical fitness and 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 uh, uh, monitoring health related fitness in schools and what and what forms, what methodologies teachers employ in schools um, for fitness testing specifically in fitness education units more broadly. And um, I suppose it, it definitely evolved in that um, it was it was a postdoc. Uh, David Kelly, who was originally meant to take on this, um, my, the PhD that, that turned out to be mine, and he he uh, he took on a role elsewhere, and the the funding became available then, and um, you know it it's I, I suppose where I was coming from was I wanted to get a feel for what was actually being done in schools because it was an area of huge interest for me, um, health related physical fitness, students, uh, youth, obviously being a teacher, particularly among uh, youth populations. And, you know, I, I had heard of lots of anecdotes of it being implemented very, very poorly, read like several research papers about how it might be a misdirected effort that helped promotion. But from my own experience of implementing it, I had had a very different experience, and I, I was keen to pursue that uh, further and, and look into, um, you know, are there is there research out there around effective methods, effective uh, approaches to implementing uh, fitness aid units and testing specifically in school settings, and that's really where it all kicked off. And you've drawn from like work in other countries and that, but like at a basic level, first off, what do we actually test? Like people probably think immediately of usher you do the beep test and you get the scores go this is medium it is bad and that's it but there are far more components to just what the beep test measures you want to maybe touch on a few of those now you said you focus largely on health related fitness but you know there is there are other components that fit into other categories as well yeah absolutely so i suppose like in the first place it might help to just you know give a broad definition of of, of, of what we're talking about so physical fitness can can be defined very simply as the ability the ability to perform everyday tasks or exercise without undue fatigue. And when we're talking about physical fit, fitness, it can be divided into two primary categories, and they are health-related physical fitness and performance-related fitness. And when we're talking about health-related fitness, that's th th those are the components that we know have a very direct relationship with future health, a proven relationship with current or future health status. And performance-related fitness then, they are the components that are necessary for optimum sports performance. So in terms of health-related fitness, we're looking at, uh, you, you know, it, it's debatable, but usually I would categorize as, as, as four broad components. They include cardiorespiratory endurance, body composition, musculoskeletal fitness, so that includes muscular strength, muscular power and endurance, and then one that I would have with a bit of an asterisk, uh, uh, flexibility, which, you know, which uh, is still categorized as a component, but um, there's some, um, there's an emerging research, uh, emerging evidence to suggest that maybe it shouldn't uh, be, be a standalone component of health-related fitness. Then in terms of performance-related fitness, you're, you're looking at uh, agility, balance, coordination, power, reaction times, speed. Again, you know, there, it's not an exact science in terms of what's a specific component of performance-related fitness. It's much more broad, but they'd be your broad pillars of both health and performance-related fitness. I even know, like when we teach this in fifth and sixth year, like you'd notice that the health-related components of fitness, they're important for your health, but most of them translate across to performance as well, whereas some of the performance ones don't really translate across. Like if you have poor levels of agility, now, 
what is agility is a whole other thing we can go into here now. But if you have poor levels of agility, probably not really impacting on your health. But if you have poor levels of strength or cardiorespiratory endurance, definitely going to impact your health. But also the majority of sports you're going to play, unless perhaps starts, is it a sport or not? Possibly not going to, it's like going to have an impact on that then as well. No, 100%, yeah, that's that, That's it. And just, just, just to build on that then, like kind of, for me, that comes back to the point I was making in terms of flexibility. Yes, having a good, uh, we'll say, teeth, whatever agility test that you're using, um, having a good score on that probably is like, would, would likely transfer to positive health outcomes. The same goes for, for, for flexibility, but the reality is, is that it's, it's pretty equivocal and, and in the absence of having very firm evidence for it, you know, you, you know questions you know, can be raised in whether it, it should be categorized as a, as a component of health-related fitness or, or, or what you're describing there, yeah. Because I suppose it does as well come into the, how you actually measure there, and without going too into detail that just yet, but... If you're measuring cardiorespiratory endurance and you measure through running, cycling, swimming, whatever, at like a somewhat lower level, like not elite status, something like that, there will be a fair commonality across how you actually test it. Whereas flexibility is so different based on whether it's around the hip, around the shoulder, through the trunk, whatever like that. And then how that can possibly relate to health is, is just so different across those like. Yeah, like it, again, it's 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 a quote from the the IOM, the Institute of Medicine in the US, but it, it states that like the specificity of flexibility to the the joint precludes or or, or basically it, it results in that it's very hard to 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 form direct relationships or to measure direct relationships with health outcomes in because you might have exceptionally uh, flexible uh, uh, hamstrings. But that's not to say that your upper body or, or, or shoulder region is exceptionally flexible. So I think I think that's where that's really where the, the, the some of the issue uh, the issue lies. Yeah. And just look at somewhat practical examples. Then some of the components of fitness then are the ones we tend to measure most. Where like are they used first of all in everyday life? Like why are they actually important for health? And then maybe slightly touch on how is it? And like it's it's probably obvious to a lot of people, but it's no harm reinforcing it. Why some of them are important for performance in you know one or two of the more popular sports or activities? Yeah, well, if if you look at you know I I, I mentioned there two 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 of the the most prominent uh, components would be cardiorespiratory endurance and musculoskeletal fitness, and I suppose I've 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 a particular interest in the area of musculoskeletal fitness, and that's within that. Then there are three there are three key key pillars, and they would be uh, muscular strength, muscular power, and muscular endurance, and um. You know, for me, in, in everyday life, uh, the ability, stuff that we probably take for granted, whether it's to, 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 to bend over, pick up a, a school bag, taking books out of a locker, um, for, for, for older people to grab something from a high press, to open a tight jar, to open a bottle of milk. These are all things that uh, are, are, are very, very basic, but require a certain level of uh, muscular strength or muscular uh, endurance if it's if it's done repeatedly over time so um even though and this is a big thing in terms of youth and the tracking of health related fitness even though we might not see it um in uh, see it um it immediately in terms of its importance among youth populations we know that these measures track very very well over time and there's also been a huge amount of longitudinal data now emerging in the past 10 years um basically showing that the health-related fitness components that I've mentioned, cardiorespiratory endurance, uh, musculoskeletal fitness and body composition, 
they are very, very powerful predictors of, of future health. So from a health perspective, we know that the basics of your components of, of health-related fitness are really, really important in terms of being able to carry out daily, daily tasks, uh, simple things um, late, later in life. And, and obviously, um, that, that, that has a positive impact in terms of your, your, your quality of life. And, and then in terms of sport, the second part of your question, I suppose, you know, even though we categorize them as health and performance related fitness components, two separate categories, there is absolutely transferability across the two because, you know, our, dom our, our dominant sports, we'll take it in an Irish context, our dominant field-based sports, so Gaelic games, uh, soccer, rugby, you know, require high levels of both cardiorespiratory endurance or your ability to perform exercise over long periods of time, uh, but also uh, musculoskeletal fitness, so uh, whether it's... Um, power, strength or endurance uh, and, and all three really. So, you know, th there's there's definitely, uh, I suppose, th there's it can be viewed through a health sphere or a performance sphere, both are, both are relevant, yeah. And just looking at it, why do we actually conduct these tests in schools? Like, there are the, and your work was largely done in secondary schools, but, you know, there are some of the kind of common tests done in primary schools around reading age and your kind of maths age, the Sigma T and Micro or something else, I'm not quite sure of names. Just look at where reading ages are and what numeracy ability and all like is that. Is that why we should look to fitness tests in schools to see where we are across the board? Is it more an individual level to just inform the students themselves where they're at? Is it somewhere in between or are both important? Yeah, like I, I would make, I, and this is something I'd be really strong on, I'd make a very firm distinction between testing for the purpose of gathering data and testing for the purpose of learning. So, you know, for me, first and foremost, the reason that you'd incorporate as a PE teacher or even if you're, you know, as a primary school teacher, if, if you're interested in doing it, um, you know, the, the purpose really should be a learning focus. You know, the, the, the objective here is that the test forms part of a broader fitness education unit and um, it's not just implemented on a once-off basis. Students arrive in, we'll do the bleep test. No, it really needs to form part of a much, much broader um, fitness uh, aid unit or whatever it is that you're doing and that it's integrated uh, as part of that and students have the opportunity to familiarize themselves with what exactly that they're that they're doing and, and why they're doing it if the purpose and it is a very important purpose as well is for gathering uh, data and, and to look at secular trends and to look at okay how, how are how are we actually doing um, as a nation is is it uh, are our fitness levels in general declining are they increasing well then that for me would be separate from the physical education context and 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 that is also really really important um uh, we, we we do it very poorly in ireland um but to be fair things like the cspa study uh, have have made um you know there's made efforts recently to include more measures of health related fitness not just survey based measures because we know as i've mentioned already that um that that these components are among the most powerful predictors of of future health uh, later in life. So there's no reason that health surveys specifically for the purpose of gathering that uh, shouldn't include basic measures like hand grip strength, standing broad jump um, and, and, and so on. Yeah, It's also an opportunity to look at you know, maybe sometimes what cross-sectionally they can link up with. That like if someone has high levels of fitness, is it associated with something else that we maybe would not otherwise have noticed? Um, like I even noticed in one of my own studies there, looking at mental health outcomes that did any markers of physical fitness link with mental health outcomes and 
bar because BMI was the only one with any kind of significant association on the rest of the day. And it was quite a small sample, but nothing to, to predict at all. You said there as well about when doing MP is for education, whereas otherwise it's for like if it is for gathering data. Should that perhaps be kept completely separate to PE or LinkedIn, but with much less of an emphasis on it from the school itself and have it near like someone external coming in to gather that if it is for the, the purpose of gathering data? Yeah, interestingly enough, part one 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 of the one of the studies I did um, actually gathered data on that specific question, and I asked students, you know, who who do you like gathering this data? Do you like doing it with your peers, or would you rather someone external? Would you rather your teacher to do it, or would you rather to do it uh, your, yourself in your own time? And what we found is that there was definitely students were 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 not in favour of either their teacher or someone external coming in to take these measures. They were much more in favour of either doing it in their small groups of, of their closest peers are, are, are self-assessing. So, you know, again, in, in, in the learning or physical education context, John, I would say that that is very much, you know, that, 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 should, be, that should be the goal then, that we, we listen to the student voice and we implemented it using those small group strategies where we essentially give students the accountability, uh, responsibility for taking their own measures. We, t- we go through what's the purpose of it, uh, talk them through the, 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 the protocols and, and why these components are important and, and they are get, then given the responsibility to go in and, and, and measure or it might form part of, for example, an activity profile where they're looking to develop one or two specific components. Well, if they know how to, they need, in order to do that, they need to know how to measure it to know in the first place um, if, 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 if they're deficient in that specific area. And, and you'll know with the, with the introduction of the new examinable uh, leaving certificate um, subject in PE, conducting needs analysis has become really, really important. And what a, what a brilliant skill for young students to learn, like, you know, to being able to conduct a needs analysis for their specific or their preferred sporting activity. Uh, what areas do I need to improve on? In order to do that effectively, you need to know how to measure your, your, your components of health and, and performance related fitness. Yeah. And something I'm sure loads of people are wondering, like having having looked at like a range of fitness tests in Ireland, and you, and you conducted a few, even as one of your earlier studies. How do we actually compare to other countries? I know it, it wasn't one of the main purposes, but it was a question you you sought to dig into a little bit. Yeah, it was, and it, it originally it wasn't a, a you know a main objective of of my thesis, but we just had basically part of my one one component um, of 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 my uh, doctoral thesis was. To a randomized sample of, of 20 schools, so a randomized stratified sample of 20 schools in the mid and southwest region of Ireland, and it involved uh, over 1,200 students. So we had a really, you know, big data set there. Now we focused on first years, but I, I, I wanted to kind of see, okay, how did we compare with, um, uh, and for that study that you're mentioning, we, we compared to European norms. So I want to see how do we fare against European normative data. And interestingly enough, um, we actually compared quite favorably across the CRE components. So the cardiorespiratory endurance, uh, body composition components, no major difference, or in fact, Irish children actually performed a bit better. The, the area that really stood out and, and that and 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 threw up a lot of significant results was the disparity uh, in in um, muscular strength and specifically measured through hand grip strength and the standing broad jump. So European adolescents had much much higher muscular uh, musculoskeletal fitness in comparison to the Irish students, and they were age matched as well, roughly twelve to fourteen year olds. Um, so that was one finding of of, of particular interest. Yeah. How did it compare kind of going across from not necessarily on the results of the fitness testing, but 
maybe the frequency or how often they were carried out like are they much more embedded into the curriculum in Europe or was that something you explored it's kind of uh, not something I explored Shane but something I'd be familiar with just from you know going to conferences and things it's it's very much an east west divide in Europe the eastern European countries there's some countries that that you know have mandated fitness testing it runs two or three times per year they have huge massive data sets that it's almost it's almost just part of the curriculum and taken for granted so countries like Slovenia have have the slow fit test battery uh Hungary net fit test battery and and they just you know, it's it's just part of their it's part it's 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 part of their almost part of their culture really. So they they would have it uh, on a very regular basis. Um, whereas uh, you know the more rest Western countries, we look at the UK, France, Spain. It's more an ad hoc basis, and it's inter- it's it's very much it's not centralized. Um, a lot of those ones that I mentioned earlier would be would be operated on a central level by the government and 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 done through schools then whereas it's more ad hoc in 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 the likes of the uk france spain where it's the individual teacher themselves up to themselves how they implement it so yeah that's 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 kind of how it breaks down yeah uh the differences that were noted there in muscular strength from irish children compared or adolescents compared to other countries any idea why that might be the case is it possibly due to the extra testing or like do you even you know, do you have that in Lake Equestress? Oh, that might be because of this. Yeah, it's something we did explore in the in the discussion of that paper, and 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 you know, for me, probably the most, um, what would you say? Like one of the most obvious reasons would be that you know the dominant sports in an Irish con. If we take standing broad jump for example, the dominant sports in 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 Spain and France are often the likes of your you know your your basketball, volleyball sports that require high power output. Whether it be vertical, you know, vertical jump or 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 um or, or broad jump movie across the surface, whereas in Ireland, at a at, at a younger level, or or field sports like Gaelic games are are very much cardiorespiratory endurance. It's more movement based over much larger spaces. So that that would be one possible theory. No, I haven't data to back that up, but just based on on and we know what the popular sports are in Ireland in comparison to to the the most popular in in Europe. That might be one potential reason for the disparity specifically in terms of um, musculoskeletal fitness yeah no that's interesting as well because I'm even thinking like when we had Stephen Bean on before and we, and we know it, like some of the lower levels of fundamental movement skill ability and with like jumping and landing and stuff like that because they're quite poor at that is it partly the actual skill of jumping is an impact and then because through jumping and landing you develop like muscular strength through those because they don't put as much of an emphasis on those at young age, is that potentially why as well? But no, it's yeah, it's an interesting one. When and take it back to the physical education area, when testing and when gathering information as a class for the individuals in the group, how does that then inform potentially the teachers, but most importantly the students themselves? Like you've done a test, what does that actually mean, or what do we do with this information now that we've seen it? Yeah, like by asking the question, you're really much touching upon what what we need to be doing in in that, you know, the the test isn't conducted in isolation, that it needs to form part of, of, um, you know, something bigger. And I I remember one of your earlier episodes, you you did a quick episode, I think it was around the 20s, around fitness testing. And someone mentioned, one of the three of you mentioned about... um, you may, you mentioned about like you know oh turning up to training and we're doing you know we're doing a shuttle run or we're we're running around the pitch for for four laps and it really didn't form any purpose in terms of the broader program for whatever for whatever you were you were working towards 
It's the exact same principle in a school context. It needs to form, it, it shouldn't be done in isolation. It needs to form part of a, of a broader, as I mentioned earlier, fitness education unit. So what, what would I do? Well, in the first place, I would make sure that if a student is coming in to do something like a standing broad jump test or a hand grip string test or whatever the test might be, a plank hold, um, they should have prior experience in trying to do that test. So, so what I did for my uh, doctoral study was I, I, I did it over a three-week period. The first week was no data was gathered and was, it was an opportunity for students just to try out the tests. So they did it in the exact same format as they would be doing it the following week, but this time no data was recorded. So they just got familiar with the protocol of how to perform the tests. And um, we know, particularly with younger people, and I'm sure as, he, as the three of you have seen in working with athletic populations, you know, there's a huge practice effect. So if I was to, um, you know, get three people who have never done a standing broad jump before and get them to perform it three times without giving any cues, feedback or or, um, or, or any information how they could improve their performance, you know, the likelihood is, is that they wouldn't be their three best efforts. Whereas if I was to bring them in, I'd be pretty confident that I could get them to jump, you know, 10, 20 centimetres further than they had done the previous three times. So that idea of giving students the opportunity to familiarise themselves with how to perform um, the, the tests, that would be one, you know, initial step. You know, secondly, then I, I really like how some teachers are implementing them or integrating them as part of, you know, a fitness activity profile where the, the purpose isn't for fitness testing sake. It's actually to inform whatever it is in your profile that you want to work towards. So, you know, it might be that a particular student is involved in, in basketball and they feel that they could improve their uh, vertical jump. Well, well, you know, they compare their results to normative, normative scores or, or criterion reference scores for their age group. And they see that they're slightly below what would be considered maybe, you know, in the, in the higher percentile. So, so therefore, based on that, they, they develop a program to go uh, and work on that then. So I think it's, it's really about it forming just one part of a jigsaw as opposed to, you know, it, for, it being the entire thing, like, you know. Because you've, you've provided some of those norms or you've analysed them and stuff like, I, I got ones off you, I just have them stuck up on posters in school, just colour-coded them, what was it, green, yellow and red, I suppose, subliminally squeezing some Carlo colours, no extra school, but it's almost like your traffic light system that, you know, when when we do some testing and they're planning their next six weeks before we do a block or retest and like that, they can go out and check themselves off then based on where they rank in terms of the overall population in their age and, and stuff like that's really useful, it's not just a number you get, it gives it a little bit more meaning to it and kind of highlights, well, I probably do have room for improvement here and just highlights the importance of maybe why cardiorespiratory endurance or whatever it is, is somewhat important for, for health. Just just, just on that, John, like the, the, the data that I'm giving you there, unfortunately, actually isn't Irish data because we don't have that data in Ireland. We don't have uh, health-related fitness data for um, across adolescent age groups, you know, uh, among representative samples of 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 Irish youth from, from 12 right up, and, and you can go down younger if you want, but just focusing on adolescents from 12, 13 right up to 17, 18, that, that data is, is, is based on European normative value. So it's definitely an area that, that, that merits um, attention because we know, I, I'm, I like the idea of criterion reference norms, but a, criteri a criterion reference norm has to be generated from a specific population and if that population isn't reflective of your population then it's not it's actually not relevant so the best the best place to generate your your norms from are 
the populations that you're working with and in that case in our case it's 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 an irish context so it's definitely an area worth um that merits further um research you know in the future yeah. to be fair one of the norms i generate myself like we, we don't do the beep test we do a six minute run instead it's just the beep test caused so much drama i couldn't be i couldn't be coping with it anymore whereas six minute run in our specific pe hall we just have norms of that for different year groups over six years so it's easy to to work really on that and then the odd time we would have crossed it or compared it across the beep test a few times we did that and like we're happy enough with what's on each like you know quartile range or whatever that is. yeah re, re, yeah that's that's that yeah that's that's class it's class to have that pool of data to to kind of um reference but just on on, on the beep test and, and i agree with you it's a really difficult one to implement um in, in school settings and you know to be honest if it's done the way the majority the way you know i, I did a survey of how teachers were integrating tests and what i found or what it, it, it showed is that the vast majority of teachers discarded results after a single use you know, so so obviously that would suggest that you know it's serving very very little purpose, um, and 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 you know less than one third of teachers gave feedback directly to the students on their performance score. So what's actually happening with these these test results? But 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 if you are using it and it can be used well, like just simple measures like not having all twenty four students in your class run up and down to the beep at the same time, split your split your class in half and have one student record their peer. Uh, and 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 it t- straight away it takes the attention away from you know maybe being the first to drop out or you know being the first of of your entire class to drop out. Another simple thing that I that I did for for my study was I put music in in, in the background and you know it, again it just takes away from the monotony of a constant beep beep just having music playing in the, in, in the background of the track um you know can be a motivational influence I and mean, you obviously you want them to try and max out that's the purpose of the test so um yeah look just a kind of a tangent there if 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 teachers are doing it you're better off not doing it if you're just going in they're turning up one day and you're you're running it with, with no wider purpose like you know no i found the exact same with beep test there, there is actually on youtube one with music as the background it's good and they call out nice and loud i downloaded that and used it a couple of times but just for classroom management, I find a six-minute run way better because you know how long the test is going to take. Everyone is active for six minutes. We're just doing a 25-meter shuttle. Obviously not ideal with the amount of turns and stuff built in, but you've no idea after about a minute who's ahead or who's behind who. Everyone's just going up and down. So there's no highlight on who's doing well, which sometimes can be quite intimidating. If you're the last person left doing the beep test, you're like, oh, I better not well, talk too hard now. Too yeah, very looking true. looking at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some of the lazier students would be gone on level five, like yeah, yeah. That listen, and that's that's that probably is the trade off. The only counter argument to that is is pacing. So like. You know, if I'm doing a six minute run, do I know how hard I can go from that initial, you know, shuttle? Should I be pushing myself further or, you know, it's, 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 that's the kind of trade off between the, the, the prescribed beep and the way you go for the six minute. But from what you're describing there, I, I definitely see huge merit in the, in, in that idea of a six minute takes the attention away if, if everyone is going around. Uh, probably maybe you're you're working in a 25 meter space there but if it happened to be a dry day and you could extend the area to you know 100 meters uh, circuit or a 50 better again like you know yeah if you had a track like or something like that it'd be ideal but it's just to keep it as consistent as possible just last question around that you mentioned there some countries test three times a year like ideally how often should we do it 
is it something you'd look to do maybe three times kind of September, January, May, or is there a need to be as rigid around that, or what have you? Yeah, I, I, no, I, I don't see any need for that for that level of you know to, to be doing it two or three times a year, like you know if you know, and again it comes back to. It, okay, is this is this for the purpose of data gathering or is it for the purpose of, you know, are you doing it as part of your P program? If it's data gathering, you know, I, I, I still think, you know, once is more than enough um, per, per year to um, to get a, a real rich sample. Once it's, you know, tracked over time then and, and, and repeated. Um, but yeah, like there's no, you know, I wouldn't say there's any optimum number, but I, I definitely think you can probably overemphasize it as well. I am aware of schools that do it each term, and I'm kind of thinking, how much time is that taking away from you know other content areas? So, um, I, I I think I think once um and it forming part of a broader unit, whatever it is that you're focusing on, that that's really the key. We've touched on a few of these already, but around best practices and stuff when testing and all in school. But just in terms of logistics, when you're setting up to do it, because you know you've done quite a lot on this and you've presented a few times to PAI, but even setting up the testing in the school, what's kind of the best format to put that together? And you could even touch a little bit there on what tests you actually use and everything. Yeah, um, so what, what I found is, is, is a station format, a small group design really, really works well for this type of um, for this type of content. And, you know, it, you know, it's the same, you know, I'm conscious that a lot of, the people that listen to the podcast as well are, are coming from you know a sport background so i would say the exact same can apply if you're testing with a with a group uh, with a team or whatever that you use a small station approach and you have one person leading at each station now it's really important that the person at that station knows exactly you know what they're doing and are trained up in terms of how to uh do whatever test they're doing or oversee it but um what i what i used for 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 the research was a station approach students in 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 groups of no no more than five or six students and they work in, in pairs within that then um on on the tests and i also you know part of the 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 initial pilot trial one of the outcomes from that was that one school actually included um, some senior cycle students to help them out at each station and I you know I just thought that was an excellent idea and I used that then for the expansion phase with 20 schools where when I used to visit the school I used to train up not just the PE teacher or the PE departments in the school but also five or six senior cycle students who would then help out in terms of okay this is how you do the hand grip strength the um the, the plank holds we did a four by ten meter shuttle run which you know a, a lot of the tests john that we used were from the alpha test battery which is you know has has really strong um data backing it up in terms of the validity and reliability of the measures used so they were just just to list them out they were um um the, the four by ten meter shuttle run they were uh at the, the plank the plank hold um repeated push-up test standing broad jump test and grip strength and then for for body composition, even though it isn't a direct measure, but what's what's appropriate within schools, uh, they use the BMI, so so measure a measure of your height for your weight. But I wouldn't even be bothered with in most schools. I wouldn't be bothered with the the body composition measure. You might introduce it. Um, some 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 teachers do it if it's done well, no problem at all. But um, that that's essentially 
how I would set it up. Small group, station approach, teach the students how to perform the test and then let them do it and, and rotate around, give them five or six minutes. Don't don't rush them at the station. The purpose isn't really, you know, uh, to do as many trials as you can. It's to do it, you know, do it properly. So um, that's what we used and, and it seemed to be kind of well received by both the, the teachers and students based on the, the data we gathered. Um, and yeah, yeah, that's, that, that's how, it, how it went, yeah. The weight of students can be a, an area to be cautious around. We, we allow them to do it themselves, but it's entirely their own choice. I just pull out all the gymnastics mats, so have them stacked really high, leave the weighing scales around the far side, so if you want to go and weigh yourself, you can weigh yourself, record it, and you fold over your sheet so no one else ever has to see it. If you want to show it to anyone else, you can show it to anyone else, but it's something I'm really, really conscious of. You're not asking anyone else, you're not looking at anyone else doing it, so... It's, it's there for you as an option, but definitely don't force on anyone. Yeah, really good suggestion. And obviously with body image related uh, concerns and that, like there, there, again, there's a trade-off and, and probably the, 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 the um, cons outweigh the pros in that, in that particular uh, instance. So, you know, it's, it's, it, again, there are some schools that I, I've no doubt um, um, are, you know, can do it, as you're describing there, in a very kind of um, suitable manner. But, um, you know, it's definitely something to be mindful of if you are using it like, yeah. And when like we gather results or we've gone through tests and everything, what's the best way then to report that to students? Are you looking to report that to parents? Um, what have you found works well there? Yeah, like again, in terms of the students, like the, the students should be the ones gathering the, the data themselves to use towards a, a broader project. You know, whatever that whatever that might be. Um, you know, you know, physical activity profile or a needs analysis for improvement in a, in a specific uh, sport. Um, that's you know very much up to the teacher to frame it uh, within a broader broader purpose uh, of the, of a fitness education unit or, or whatever it is that you're focusing on. In terms of you know it then going back to the parents, I, I actually did do that while I was teaching in Glinstall, and I found what what happened what was happening at parent teacher meetings was almost the first question they were asking me then how did how did Johnny get on this year? You know you mentioned last year or whatever. So it's 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 you know it's entirely it's up. It depends on the context. It's up to the it's up to the teacher. Um, I it's it's not something that I'd obsess over. It's not something that I'd be sending home every time. Um, you know, it's 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 uh, it's it's something again that can just form part of maybe your feedback to how a student is getting on in 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 the PE um in the PE uh, setting or class. Yeah, you've done a bit of qualitative work, like just asking students. You mentioned a little bit on there now how they feel about it, how it makes them more comfortable, and everything, but. If you're like trying to create a positive atmosphere around fitness tests in school, so it's not like, oh, fitness tests today, I'm dreading this, or, or just try, trying to create something that they don't see negative. It may not be necessarily something they really, really look forward to, but definitely something they don't dread. What are some things we can do there to make it as positive as possible or to try and keep students as engaged as possible? Yeah, like it, it probably sounds like I keep I keep repeating myself here, but like it really it really comes back to that. It forms part of you know it's not just implemented off the cuff in isolation that the students turn up to the class. You know, it's 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 a good idea that it it would it it would form part of of a unit of learning as opposed to a standalone class, and that students are prepared are you know are prepared for it. And uh, I, I I think you know again. That, that small group learner centered approach as opposed to let's all line up here one by one and do a standing broad jump you know divide your class into small groups and and allow them to work through um each station and each 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 measurement focus themselves um and 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 that 
like that for me straight away it, it, it kind of it, it takes away the attention away from all eyes on one person you know it allows them to do it in their own time it builds that sense of autonomy which we know is 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 really really important uh, in terms of what defines a successful lesson that that students um you know that what i call the three a's that students are active autonomous and accountable for their learning and um you know that stationed approach can really can really facilitate that because even if you think of like what are things that make appeal less enjoyable anyway being with your friends and listen to music are nearly always the two things that like I do questionnaires start every year particularly just senior year groups what do you want this year and they're always the big two play music that we like so we own playlists are obviously banned and can we be with our friends and once there's some element of that in there whether it be fitness lessons whether it be badminton whether it be whatever they generally like PE more than if they're not um, options that are there from like questioning various schools and various teachers speaking to people at conferences and just even anecdotal evidence. What are some things we should certainly seek to avoid or maybe some things you've seen done in the past? Like, yeah, don't think that's a good idea. I try not to in future. Yeah, well, one, one that immediately jumps to mind is, is the posting of test result scores in, in the gym hall. Um, and like, that's fine if you're working with an elite group, um, if, you're, if you're working with an inter-county team or whatever, or... or, or uh, a club and you're, you're posting scores at the, in, the, in the local gym for them to to work towards but in a school setting that's not that really isn't appropriate and i have seen it being done now you know one one way to mitigate against that is that you might actually just post the top three scores and it gives that it, you know it gives the students that are the higher level students they, they need to be you know interested in performing well as well so have something to work towards so rather than listing 24 students and having you know brendan number 24 um performing the worst in every single test and John at number one, just list the top three. Just list the top three. Uh, the top three um, tests. I know you're, you're you're keeping fit these days, John. So I, I had you up there at number one. But uh, it's it's a simple measure. I have seen it being done in schools um, both ways. But I would definitely avoid any public display of of results um, that you know you know that 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 should that really should be avoided. One other one other one that. Um, that springs to mind as well is I mentioned earlier about conducting tests um, all with, with full with the whole group at once, and I really really don't think that that's appropriate. Um, so whatever tests that you're implementing, if it can be done in smaller groups, um, and I know there are particular uh, ones that you know that makes it difficult to not send all the students off at once and, and, and do it but I, I think it, it takes attention away from the individual the smaller the groups that uh, that, that that you can that, that you can use so they'd be they'd be just two two simple ones yeah another one I found that I definitely recommend avoiding is based on a grade off a performance in a test if a student like gets a gets a result in a test and is able to make meaning of that true reflection or make a, a future goal to try and improve on that can be a really good way of basing some form of grade or whatever your reporting thing is but straight up Shane there gets based off your results when we were doing some of the tests in the Masters right 16.8 in the Beep test Brendan and Damien there Kerry footballers getting 12 points up and a mere around 10.1 just automatically going A two B's and a C just based off that isn't really anything but what does you getting that score mean and a little paragraph or a few bullet points on that and how much sense they make of what score they've gotten can be far more beneficial to them if you are going that route of, of grading and linking it somewhat back to, to test scores. 
hundred percent. And and like just just on that, I you know when I'm teaching this to to third level students, to so to pre service PE teachers, you know something I constantly stress with them is that I'm not bothered if you improve you know two levels on whatever, or if you increase your standing broad jump or increase your hand grip strength by you know whatever kg. It's really your 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 capacity to reflect upon your training program and what worked well and what didn't work. Um, that's really really what where the focus should be at. So yeah, that's. It's a, it's a really good point and not related to um to grades uh, it, it is done it's done in the u.s it's very common in the u.s actually for 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 your your hrpf scores to be related to your uh, academic grade yeah there's a lot of this may be kind of anecdotal but isn't a lot of your kind of overall grade for pe based on your result in some of these fitness tests in america like you hear all the time people like oh i couldn't climb the rope so i kind of failed failed gym or failed pe kind of that side of things so obviously i presume this is something we want to avoid like the play going forward as we're kind of implementing this yeah you're right jane it is it would have been no it's it's changing to be fair but there is definitely more of an obsession in in the states around um what, what they would call like performance criteria and meeting certain levels of performance they have a president's award for this like you know so it's 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 definitely more commonplace there and um we know that there are certain states that that mandate the testing and relate it back to um and, and use it as as the sole measure of performance in PE, how you get on in these uh and um these, these tests which we know might form you know just you know a couple of classes in an entire PE unit so um yes it's 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 it, it was it's probably you know it is changing there is there is a kind of a, a realization that the obsession shouldn't be over what the result is it's more more the process and it, and it being used as information to inform something else so um yes popular but probably there is definitely there there are positive changes in the states in that regard yeah you mentioned there about the kind of east-west divide that over in Eastern Europe tend to do far more mandated testing and stuff. From chatting to people, what are attitudes towards fitness like there? Do they see it as, like, I'm not sure what the right word around this is, but are they more, like, regimented towards, okay, we have to perform in these tests, or are they just a bit more laissez-faire because they're so used to doing tests quite repeatedly over the course of their time in school, and does it have knock-on impacts on higher or lower fitness levels? Yeah, I, I like. I think straight away the first thing to say was that they the tests have huge status in those countries. Like you know, they're really you know. I've, I was at a conference in um, Zagreb in um, in Croatia, and <laughs> um, like you, you, like a lot of the, the the posters and presentations were around that slow fit battery that I mentioned, and the net fit one in Hungary, and um, you know, it's it's what I what what stood out to me really is that in 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 Western countries, you'd have a lot of debate around the purpose, whereas there it's seen as really, you know, um, as, as, as the poster, it's, it's almost looked up to like this, this data is so, so important and it forms a really important part of, of their learning. Now, you know, you could argue that's probably a narrow view of what, you know, um, PE and more broadly health should be. Um, but, but that, that's how I'd say that they'd have a very narrow folk or they would, well, yeah, that, that might be, you know, that might be put in the wrong context, but they, they do place huge emphasis on it. And um, it seems to carry a lot of weight um, in, 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 and have a lot of status, your, your, your test scores. Um, uh, that's, that's one thing, that's one thing I would have seen, like, yeah. So that, I was probably getting a bit political now, because that's slightly aligned to like more Eastern European countries would align like status of the country with performance in elite level sport performance so having 
better fitness test scores at a younger level possibly increases their chances of that. Like you would hear in Russia that you win an Olympic medal, you get a new house and a new car. And like they really put huge emphasis in rewarding elite sporting high level performance. And because that's possibly a precursor to that, is that why they maybe put more emphasis on it? Yeah, it, yeah, it, it, pro- it probably is. It's just probably, a, a, you know, a product of, of the societal values, you know, <laughs> and it, that's just their, that's just the reality. We, we, you know, and we're, we're kind of moving further away from that rigid notion of, you know, we're moving more towards the well-being space and, and that kind of holistic view of, okay, what, what does it actually mean to be healthy? Their healthy discourse is probably very much around, you know, what would be considered avoiding, you know, disease, staying fit. Whereas uh, we're, we're kind of that more salute, what's called salutogenic. So like, you know, around, you know, that, that holistic approach to health, it doesn't just mean that you can be, you know, that you need to be um, exceptionally, exceptionally physically fit. It's, 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 it's more, it's more complex and broad than that. Like, yeah. I suppose, uh, not maybe exactly your um, area, but I, I definitely like to get your, your insights into it a little bit, just kind of on that. That area, if you look at say obesity rates amongst teenagers in Ireland and the, I suppose the the jumps that they've been making over the last 25, 30 years, um, when you look at PE as being say the the class in school that you know it does provide that you know bit of access to activity, uh, first off as well as exercise that maybe some uh students wouldn't have outside of school, but um I suppose when when you look at th- those rates of obesity increasing. Uh, do you see it uh, obviously it's not just on school it's a societal thing uh, uh, as well but what do you what kind of impacts do you see PE having going forward in trying to maybe slow down this uh, jump or this increase sorry in obesity that we are seeing amongst teenagers and then on to to adulthood um do you see uh, an impact kind of coming there through obviously we're talking about fitness testing here this is your area of speciality but just from your maybe your anecdotal viewing of things, the experience that you have had in researching these things, do you think there is a significant impact uh, on the way into that, or do you think it's it's still largely a much more wider societal thing that uh, P uh, as a subject won't be able to kind of curtail a little? Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting one, uh, Damien. I think that, you know, for, for years we, we've tried to almost sell ourselves as the, you know, the solution to the obesity pandemic, you know, and, and that really, for, for me, you know, it's not an achievable outcome um, for, for anyone that's attending, you know, a single or a double period a week. You, you know, that's, that, that's not, you know, it's, 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 it, it shouldn't be our focus. Um, just interestingly enough, on, on, on obesity rates and things, we're actually seeing a bit of a, you know, a, a, a steadying off or a plateauing of increase in obesity. If you were to take data for the last 10 years, again, the, you know, the, the, the biggest data pool that we can call on from an Irish context, there's the growing up in Ireland, yes, but also the, the CSPA study specifically for adolescent populations. And there actually has been little or no change in the past um, decade. So we're seeing a bit of a plateauing there, but it's still one in four. It's roughly, you know, 25%, 20 to 25%, which is, which is really, really, which is really high. But to go back to, you know, to your question, do like, I do see schools as being the primary vehicle uh, to promote healthy behaviors amongst amongst children and adolescents because obviously all all children adolescents need to attend school and within that then i within schools i see pe as being like the cornerstone for 
whole school approaches to physical activity promotion because at the end of the day the, the PE teacher is probably the most qualified person in the school to to give advice on okay how can we promote di- different different um, um, initiatives to promote f- uh, physical activity and you know there's some really good stuff there's things like the active school flag that's happening where you know it's not just left to the to the PE teacher themselves for that 40 or 80 minute period a week to um to, to influence positive change in terms of physical activity behavior it's more it's, it's a more whole school approach and teacher and, and teachers from different subject disciplines taking on responsibility for for doing different things and this this isn't just around sport and extra curricular you know activity it can be like walks it can be you know setting up a school gym and giving students access to the gym uh, during break times and so so to, like to go back to the you know to, to to your question no i don't see it being as a silver bullet solution to and i don't think we should use it as that um because that's not an achievable outcome uh, but yes i do see schools in the first place as being the pr- primary vehicle and within that you know the pe teacher and and pe class being a really like being the cornerstone then within the school setting to promote um healthy life not, and i wouldn't see it I wouldn't like the goal shouldn't be okay let's let's reduce that that that's you know that that may come or that hopefully will come if if the, if we can instill behavior change we shouldn't obsess over over the figure like you know the outcome more the more the process yeah no that that's that, that's brilliant and it, it is great to see that kind of plateau because it was getting quite uh quite worrying but I do think that 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 whole school approach kind of being led from a position of actual knowledge and a, a base in in what's uh, you know what the actual overall goal is to obviously just increase that understanding of what physical activity is i suppose first and foremost if if i'm to think back to my own time in school or any teenagers that i know at the moment that you know after when you do mention physical activity it can be viewed as exercise and it's kind of like no it's just overall physical activity and how how to go about increasing that but it, i think it's I think you've hit the nail on the head that it's like a full school approach there, but that is being led, the cornerstone is being led by those in the know, the PE teachers with the background that I think that is very important just, and I suppose that's more for people listening here today, just that that's, that could be something to maybe start engaging in a little bit more if it is something that maybe they feel is is lacking a little bit. Just on the schools element as well, in a fairly heated debate with a Reasonably high-ranking official in Croke Park about one day, this one day, just to me, John, P in Ireland has failed the country. And I was like, I'm not going to say his name, but go on, expand on that there a bit now before I respond. And he said, we've had P in the country for however many years, and we're getting heavier and unfitter, not healthier. P has failed. I'm like, massive sweeping statement. But <laughs> just like, let's break it down to numbers. The recommendations for children and adolescents to get one hour every day so that's 60 minutes 365 days a year current recommendations for PE are what an hour a week so you're in school 33 weeks a year which means if all your activity was based on going to PE you get 9% of the amount you're supposed to get so if you were like fully active for those 60 minutes every single week in PE you're still not even getting 10% of what you're supposed to get so to expect PE to cure all those problems it's just not on at all and even like we probably need to change our view on, probably has been a bit recently, but like what a PE teacher's role is, not just in PE class, but in the wider school. Like generally you look at them, the PE teachers, oh, they do the sport, they look after sports teams. So say if you're looking after the sports teams, like I'll just take my own school for example, 
we largely end up catering to the elite, those who are already really active, often to the point of probably doing too much, and really good school for P. They've won a few All Irelands. They've done. They've won this. They've won that. And really, that's not reflective of P at all. That's reflective of the top four or five percent of students in the school who excel at that. And that often means because you're expected to put so much time into making the elite even better, you completely, I won't say disregard, but end up taking your eyes off the bottom 10% who really, really need your help. But like, there's no real emphasis put on meeting their needs or anything like that as well. I'm not going to go too deep down this rabbit hole now, but... I think there are bits to be mindful of as well. Like the sweeping statement of PE having failed the country, I, I think like, you know, it's 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 such a narrow view uh, in terms of what the, the purpose of the subject is. And, and it goes back to what uh, Damien w- was mentioning earlier and w- what I... What I, what I spoke about of what's actually achievable um, and you know I think I think you know if you were to base it on that you, you could make the same argument for any of the, the, the more traditional academic subjects that we've seen numeracy and literacy levels fall so does that mean that maths and English are also uh, uh, fa- fa- are failing the country so I think you know that that argument for me you know it's it's one I'd it's one I'd happily de- debate you know it's very it's very it's very narrow but just one other one I wanted to pick up on was like that sport is distinct from PE in a school setting but they're both really important pillars of of uh, what what should form a whole school approach to physical activity promotion and I think it's great that some schools like are really keen on sporting endeavors and achieving success success in that regard but you know PE is distinct from that but also has a really important role, John, for you, as you mentioned, the students that maybe aren't part of those teams uh, and, and that idea of probably the students that you really need to target most um, and, and creating ac- activity opportunities for them. So it, it comes back to that idea of, you know, a system wide approach, whole school approach and, and, and multiple avenues for uh, engagement in, in physical activity. Yeah. I think yeah, that's why the holistic view of health for PE is so important, because arguably when the obesity levels were going up and up, it wasn't that everyone was getting less fit, it was the split was getting bigger. So your elite athletes or your kind of better athletes were getting fitter, better, faster, stronger. And it's just the other group who maybe didn't find a sport would just drop off completely. So it got rid of that kind of average, for lack of a better word, person kind of in the middle, like the median. And that's where we arguably should have most people who want to live healthier just aren't a particularly sporting, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely, definitely, Shane. And actually, on that, it's one thing I didn't mention about the study. The, the same paper that John was referring to there about the one we did the comparison between Irish and European level norms. There was a, the main part of that paper was actually looking at um, schools in Ireland, and and one of the biggest findings was the disparity in fitness levels between school desh, what are called desh schools, and non desh schools, so designated disadvantaged schools. So what what I what what it what it, fin- what it essentially showed was that there's a huge disparity between those students that are, are in in non-desk are in desk schools and more often than not they're the ones that we need to target they're probably the ones that are not involved there we, we, we know from from research on on um, the impact of socioeconomic status on activity that their activity opportunities are far far more limited um, so I think I think that's probably something we didn't touch upon earlier but it's important to point out uh, in terms of where you know wh- where we need to target the most and and, and that that gap is probably widening yeah really important point i think when stephen bean was on he said that the fundamental movement skills were the exact same they were just way better or way worse in the disadvantaged areas sarah mcqueen who was on before as well doing her phd largely around girls in disadvantaged areas how can we get them more active because 
the strategies used to get others more active needs to be quite different because it a one a one size fits all approach doesn't seem to work there. Just um one or two little things to wrap up then. If you are a teacher in a school and you notice that without it being the purpose, but you have noticed that fitness levels are quite low in a group or in the school as a whole, what are some meaningful ways you can do to possibly look to bring levels up? Or is it a much bigger picture approach than what one teacher can do in that one class? And kind of ties into Damien's point there as well. Yeah, like, look, and again, I, I, I think first and foremost, the teacher in their own context is the person that's most well-informed uh, about how to, you know, how to... Um, to, to go about, we'll say, dealing with a situation that you described there. So, so the, the context of the school is really important because what I might say might be suitable for the uh, all-girls desh school in the middle of Limerick City, we'll just say, you know, uh, in comparison to, you know, a school, a private fee-paying school, you know, on, on, in the suburbs that has access to every single facility that you could imagine. So I think, you know, in the first place, the context is, is, is really, really key. But it goes back to creating opportunities to be act, to, to be active so if we're if we're looking at it from a school level not just a, a PE level now you know it, it, it really it really comes back to okay how can we create opportunities to be active in school and and there there are certain periods in the day where students aren't in the class that's before school break time and after school where we can create opportunities to be active and I I know you know people like you know Mike story there he was um, based in um, Villiers School in Limerick and it was one of the schools as part of my study and and, and I was travelling out to Villiers and I arrived early one morning around five past eight the sports hall was full of students doing a circuit um, and, he, and Mike was telling me that these are the students that may not be involved in the, the rugby team or the or the hockey team you know they're, they're just you know coming in to be active so it's that idea of, of, of the time that we have students in school so whether it's before during lunch breaks and after uh, you know facilitating activity and uh, on that and you know you, you know one thing that we can probably look at too is around uniform and it's 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 kind of a bugbear of mine but oftentimes the school uniform is is actually restrictive in terms of how much physical activity can take place outside of maybe a p context where students can change and 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 be active but we're seeing a lot of research now in, in australia in particular to show that what students actually are allowed wear to school has a big influence in terms of how physically active they are during the, the school week. So if we allow students to wear active wear, if we can redesign our uniforms to make them more appropriate for moving, then what a very simple and basic measure to promote physical activity so that students don't need to be worried about having to change at break time or before school, that, you know, um, that they can be active um, um, would you know at, at any opportunity that that presents itself to, to be active and that particularly might be more effective for those students who aren't as invested in the sport you know who aren't uh, maybe the, the the higher the higher level um, achievers in a sporting context and just lastly then what are some you've kind of touched on a bit as well what are some future directions you'd like to see in terms of research on fitness testing in general or just even fitness levels in schools or in adolescents in general that you'd like to see or that you're interested in maybe going a little bit further down that route yourself? Yeah, well, like firstly, in terms of fitness testing specifically to the school context, I think I think we really need to start at this stage 
or to stop at this stage obsessing over, you know, why is fitness testing being done? We need to start obsessing over how it's being done. So, you know, it's very much around the how. And that, that goes really for, for any, any, any practice in a, in a phys ed context that we need to start uh, thinking about how best to implement as opposed to why are we doing it in the first place? Because we at this stage now have empirical evidence to support its use in a positive uh, context in, in, in a PE setting. So, you know, we, we, for me, we need to move beyond that debate uh, and, and focus our energies more on, OK, how best can we implement it? And I know researchers like Laura Alfrey in, in, in Australia are doing a lot of work in this regard in terms of how best can we do it um, uh, in a manner that, that, that promotes activity and, and students really, really enjoy. So, um, you know, that, 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 that's the media. I forget the, the, the second part of that question, John, that you asked. You were sorry there. Just on fitness levels in schools or adolescents in general, what's some kind of future directions we could look at there? Yeah, sorry, good man. So, so like I think I think more broadly speaking, I, I I think that it's 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 a case of getting the data, you know, and that's very. I'm not talking about from uh, in a P context here. I think I think we need to look at a national survey of adolescents in Ireland of the health related physical fitness levels of adolescents in Ireland and this might form one arm of, of the future CSPA studies or a standalone research project in itself but right now we just don't have that information and um, you know I think I think that's a, an initial important step to like to allow us to know where where we're at essentially so if we don't if we don't have um, if we don't have the data we're working off a blank map really without without any direction. That's been excellent, Sobran. If anyone wants to get in touch, or if now in your new role in UL, if someone is interested in doing some of this research or getting involved in some of it, where can they contact you or find out a little bit more? Yeah, so I, I, I you know, I, I mainly use, I'm not great in the social media side of things. I, I, Twitter would be the main one that I use, so you'll get me at Brendan O'Keefe on Twitter. But also, if, 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 it's, if you're interested in this area and you'd like to pursue further research um, if, and, or find out more or I can share any of the papers that we've done, just drop me an email, brendan.okeefe at ul.ie, and I'll, I'll happily, um, happily engage with you there, yeah. Awesome, excellent. Thanks a million. And we may get you back again at some stage in the future when our stuff evolves a little bit more. Super soft lads, thanks.